The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Hey, my name is Brett Vanderzee. Uh, if you're a visitor, I'm the, uh, the director of music and arts, the music and preaching minister here. I just want to thank you for being with us this morning. We're genuinely glad that you uh, chose to be with us. Those of you tuning in online, thank you for uh, watching uh, at thesprings.cc slash video. Um, if you guys are ever home, Lara's homesick this morning. Um, and at the Springs, we are a people being transformed into the image of Christ, filling our communities with the presence of Christ so that many will find the way back to God. And some of those communities are here in Oklahoma City, and others of those, as we've witnessed, are in uh, Germany, are in Rwanda, Honduras, um, Belgium. And so I'm excited because, you know, this is the second Sunday of Missions Month, and I'm very excited for our youth to get to go and see what the mission of God is in Belgium. And I'm, I'm just excited to hear you guys' testimonies of what happens this July. It's going to be really great. Um, and we are into our fifth week of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians, the mystery of us. And I don't know about all of you, but I've been learning a lot. Um, and I really enjoyed Ben's sermon last week, just fantastic. And we really got to start to dig in to explicate what this mystery really is. And we're going to get to do that further this morning. Um, if Ephesians were a mystery novel, uh, we might say that the characters have been established, uh, the scene has been set, and now we really get to dig into the thick of the plot. We really get to see how this mystery of us plays out. So we're actually going to ask those classic, you know, detective novel questions this morning. You know, who, what, where, when, why, how. But I want to stick with the first three. And so this morning in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, I want to ask, who is the church? What does the church do? And where does the church do it? Who is the church, what does the church do, and where does the church do it? So let's jump right into Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. Paul writes, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mercy for which ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, 
according to his eternal purposes that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Mystery is at the heart of this text. And Paul uses that word over and over and over again in Ephesians. In fact, he uses the word mystery in Ephesians more than any other book, and I think in this chapter more than any other chapter. But there's something we need to realize about the mystery of us. And that is that the mystery has been solved. So I'm sorry if that takes away a little bit of the allure of it, but in many ways, this mystery has already been solved. The word mystery in this Semitic context doesn't mean something that's unknown. It means something that is made known because of the revelation of God. It doesn't mean something that is unknown. It means something that has been made known to us by God. And so that doesn't mean we understand it fully. We, we can know what something is without knowing the why or the how necessarily. But God has established this mystery and he has revealed it to us. So what is the mystery? What is the mystery of us? Well, it's precisely what Ben preached last week. It's precisely what we just read in our text this morning. It's that this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. The mystery of us is the one new humanity. The mystery of us is the new, the third race that God has created in Christ Jesus through his reconciliation. We are together, Jews and Gentiles, we are heirs together, reconciled to one another, the manifold wisdom of God promised in Jesus Christ. But this is a far cry from the voluntary association of like-minded people that Ben talked about. Remember he mentioned that last week? He mentioned how in the West, uh, because of our, our individualism, we've kind of got this idea that the church is, is just this voluntary association of like-minded people. So because we're individuals, we get reconciled to God on our own. I'm good with God. I'm reconciled. Now I need to go find some people to spend some time with. But this is a far cry from the biblical picture. Because Jews and Gentiles are not typically like-minded people. In, in many ways, they're very differently-minded people. But today, that's, that's sort of how we do church. And, and another phrase that Ben left us with last week. He said that in the West, the church is seen as a vendor of religious goods and services a vendor of religious goods and services. So we come to the church as customers, and we come expecting to receive something from the church. And so this, this plays out in a lot of different ways. We do things like we go church shopping, right? Which is exactly what it sounds like. It's shopping for a church. You know, we, we go, we check out the storefront, uh, we, we take a look at the mannequins, which is the worship team, by the way. 
the worship team are the mannequins. And, and we look at the mannequins and we say, could we see ourselves in this? Could, could I see myself in those skinny jeans? I think I could pull that off, right? And so we, we search and we try to find this, the, the right vendor of religious goods and services. And, and I get it, you know, I... We've all done this. That's, that's how Lara and I wound up here at the Springs five years ago. And, and if you're here this morning kind of checking things out, I really am glad that you're here. But, but what I'm saying is that Jesus didn't say to his disciples in John 13, Hey guys, listen up. Uh, you'll know that you're my disciples if you have a killer worship team. Which, by the way, we do. I mean, Brad Giddens, amazing stuff this morning. But, but Jesus didn't say, hey, you'll know you're my disciples if your preacher has a book deal or, or uh, if, if the sign outside says the right three words, Church of Christ. No, Jesus said, by this everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And what does love look like in the New Testament? It looks like washing feet. It looks like dying to yourself. It looks like Jews and Gentiles, differently minded people, coming together as one group, reconciled to God in Jesus Christ. The church is not a voluntary association of like-minded people. The church is a faithful association of reconciled people. The church is a faithful association of people reconciled by God. That's a totally way, totally different way to see things. Eugene Peterson actually started a church in California, and he pastored there for about 30 years, about three decades. But you would know him uh, probably because he is the translator of the message the message version of the Bibles, and, and he has some different advice, some interesting advice when it comes to sort of finding a church. Um, Eugene Peterson will tell people when they come to him, they'll say, go to the nearest, smallest church and commit yourself to being there for six months. He says, go to the nearest, smallest church and commit yourself to being there for six months. And he says, if it doesn't work out, find somewhere else. That's fine, you know, that happens, but try this. Go to the nearest, smallest church, and, and you know, he, he says, don't look for programs, don't look for entertainment, don't look for a great preacher. A Christian congregation is not a glamorous place. And he says, you know, sometimes this isn't going to work out. Sometimes ministers are just a little incompetent or flat out bad, but he, he says, the nearest church, the smallest church, six months See what happens. That's a totally different way to do things, isn't it? That is a totally different way to think about things. But, but this is what happens when we see the church as a faithful association of people reconciled by God. When we see the church as a faithful association of reconciled people, our priorities begin to shift. Our priorities begin to shift. We begin to care less about the superficial. We begin to get to care less about the cosmetic things. And we begin to care more about the faithful things. Because, I mean, if you follow Eugene Peterson's advice, you could end up with some strange people, right? 
I mean, this is kind of like the Forrest Gump find a church. It's like it's a box of chocolates and you have no idea what you would get. You might find caramel, you might find the toothpaste flavored. This is a totally different way of looking at things. Uh, and Mark Maynell has said that the church is sometimes a collection of the very last people you would ever want to go on a vacation with. <laughs> now he's being facetious. But if we took, you know, five of us at random and tried to take a trip together, there might be some clashing. You guys might get a little sick of me. It, it might not work out, but that's okay because as Christians, we're not called to, to like everyone. We're not called to, to be like everyone or be best friends with everyone. As Christians, we're called to recognize that we are one in Jesus Christ. We're called to recognize the oneness that Jesus has created and live into that oneness. That is who we are as the church. That is the mystery of us. We're a faithful people reconciled by God. And so that brings us to our second question this morning. What does the church do? What does the church do? Paul says in verses 8 through 11, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you hear that sentence, that clause there? The, the manifold wisdom of God. That, that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And other translators have said multifaceted or, or rich variety. The Greek is kind of similar to multicolored there. Uh, I like N.T. Wright says, the church is the polychrome people of God. The polychrome people of God. So, so if that's who we are, what does the polychrome people of God do? What does the church do? Well, Paul says it right there. It says that God's intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. If God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ Jesus, the church is the place that witnesses to that reconciliation. The church witnesses to the wisdom of God's reconciliation in the world. The church is the place where we recognize what God is doing in the world and we attempt to live into that, to speak that reconciliation to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The church witnesses to God's wisdom of reconciliation. Luke Ferry, a... Uh, Secular philosopher, uh, French philosopher, has, has written a book called A History, A Brief History of Thought. Um, and, and it's a book that, where he tries to kind of trace in layman's terms 
a history of, of human thought, at least Western thought, starting in ancient Greece and kind of bringing us all the way up to today. And, and he admits that when he was in university in the 60s, when he was at college, that you could basically become a philosopher by just studying ancient Greece and then skipping all the way up to the Enlightenment. Like, you didn't have to deal with Christianity at all. You didn't have to deal with any of the monotheistic religions. There was none of that. And so he doesn't want to do that. And so he, he wants to trace it all the way through the history of thought. And, and he, a, a atheist, secular, humanist philosopher, you know, not typically prone to speak too kindly of, of Christianity, actually admits the profoundly positive effect on humanity that Christianity had. And so he, he outlines three different innovations in human thought that Christianity brought about. And I just want to focus on one of them. He says that, that Christianity basically brought about the modern notion of humanity. So, so basically, Christianity revolutionized the idea of a common humanity based on the equal dignity of all human beings. Uh, you know, because in ancient Greece, in the ancient world, things were divided with hierarchies. There were these hierarchies, that, and the world was, was divided into the superior and the inferior, uh, the gifted and the less gifted, masters and slaves, rich and poor, intelligent and simple, Jew and Gentile, we might add. And so people were divided into these categories, but then along comes Christianity. Along comes passages like this morning. Jews and Gentiles coming together, heirs of Israel. Along comes passages like last week. Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility, and he's created one new humanity. And along comes this idea of, of universal human rights through the revolution that Jesus started. So what does Christianity do? It gives people their humanity. Christianity gives people their humanity in the one true humanity that God has established. And this leads us to our final question this morning, the where question. That question is, where does the church do this? If the church is the faithful association of people reconciled by God, and what they do is witness to that reconciliation in the world, where does this witnessing happen? And so Paul says throughout our passage, he says, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. Where does reconciliation happen? It happens in Jesus Christ. Reconciliation is witnessed to in the church, and the church is in Jesus Christ. That 
is what has made possible this one new humanity, the revolution launched by Jesus, the tearing down of the dividing wall, the the changing of the course of human history and the giving of humanity to all of humans happened in Jesus Christ. And Paul says that this mystery was for ages past kept hidden in God. And I've been thinking about this text for a couple weeks. And I keep coming back to the movie Jurassic Park. I keep coming back to the amber mines in that movie. And to, you know, so if you know the premise of the movie, these scientists are able to to take this blood, take this DNA from from the mosquitoes that have been encased in this tree sap, this amber, and they're able to create a whole race of dinosaurs from it. And, and it's interesting uh, because the, actually the, the DNA has been encased, it's been hidden in this amber for ages. And, and the name of the amber mines, interestingly enough, in the movie is the Mano de Dios. And that translates into Hand of God. And I've been thinking about how God's hand has revealed the mystery of Jesus hidden in the amber of God for ages. I've been thinking about Jesus and how he has created this one new humanity through his blood. And that this mystery has been made known. And that we're we're called to witness to it. This is where the church witnesses. The church witnesses in Jesus Christ. That's where it all happens. That's where the one new humanity finds its start and finds its reconciliation in Jesus Christ. And so I I just want to close by saying this morning, uh, those hierarchies that I talked about in the ancient world, in, in ancient Greece, As much as I'd like to say they're all gone, they're not. The powers and the authorities and the rulers still want to divide us. They they still want humanity divided because when we're divided, we can be bought. When we're divided, we can be controlled. When, When humanity is divided, the powers that be safely stay in power. You know, when when we fit safely into their banners, when we fit safely into their labels of Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, black, white, baby boomer, millennial, urban, rural, white collar, blue collar. When, When we stay in those labels that they've given us, they stay in power. But what does Paul say? Paul says it was God's intent that through the church, the manifold, the the polychrome wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The church declares that we're one in Christ Jesus. The church declares one new humanity that you and I can be reconciled by the grace of God, that we have been reconciled. And we've got to live into that. 
now you might want to push back and you might want to say, well, Brett, aren't, aren't you just trading you know, those other labels for a different one? Aren't you just trading these other hierarchies, these other labels for, for another label, for the label of Christian? I'd say absolutely I am. And you know why I'm comfortable with that? You know why I want to wear that label of Jesus Christ is because Jesus is the one who came to power through powerlessness. Jesus is the one who who came to power not through the sword, but through the cross. Jesus came to power not by killing his enemies, not by a military coup, but by dying for his enemies. That's the power I want to live under. That's where I want to be reconciled. That's where I want to live as one new humanity in Jesus Christ. The one who says, hey, they'll know you follow me when you love each other. That's where we need to be, church. That's where we need to witness. This is the place where we begin to see what God is doing in the world and we try to testify to that with our love. Let's stand together and praise God for that reconciliation in Jesus Christ.